Finally, after much time, after much delay, welcome back. Finally, welcome back to the next episode of the Jamie J Podcast. This is, of course, your host, Jamie J, and I'm so freaking excited to be back here with you sharing all this massive content. Getting back on track, it took really looking at working on the business instead of in the business. Why haven't I been putting out these podcasts? Because I've been stuck working in the business. Now, to tell you the truth, I haven't really been stuck It's been a choice to actually take that time to work in the business. Go ahead, strap in, listen into this next episode of the Jamie J Podcast, where we really dig in deep, myself and Mick, on working on your business over working in your business in this episode of the Jamie J Podcast. There's a humongous difference between working in the business versus working on the business. That's really the difference between being that business operator, that person who's doing everything, who's mopping the floors, who's doing the books, who's you know making the coffee for everyone in the morning, who's doing all that versus that person who's recognized the true power of being able to delegate, of being able to be the leader that they are so that they can truly step out, not leave the business, not completely leave it all by itself, but to step out of that role of doing everything into doing those one, two or three things that are absolutely within that zone of passion so that everyone has the opportunity to grow. But more importantly, so that the business can absolutely flourish. Now, we talked about a couple of things behind the scenes in the green room here. And one of the things that we discussed about having in place was that whole idea behind the purpose, the mission, the values. Mick, do you want to touch on that real quick for us? Yeah, absolutely. If you don't have the right, um, the right base set, your right foundations, the right, you know, the core stuff to your business, your mission, your purpose, um, and your values. If you don't have those three fundamental things set, it makes stepping out of your role even more challenging. We want our team to work towards those, to to be inspired by our purpose, to work towards our mission, and to live by our values. But if you don't have them clearly set and clearly articulated, it makes it really, really difficult for your team to understand where they need to go, what they need to do to succeed or thrive. And look, it's not just something on the wall. This is really having them in and embedded and really locked in before you take that next step. It's it's really critical that you get those key fundamental aspects in place before you decide to step out of the business. Otherwise, you're going to really struggle with your team heading in the right direction, achieving the Um, achieving what you want them to achieve or making the right decisions in the heat of the moment because they just don't understand the purpose or why you're doing it or what your mission is. Uh, If you understand all of those things and they've got the guiding values, uh, the values to guide them, then they're going to make the better decisions every time because they they have that knowledge, they have that information. Yeah. It is really, truly the foundation for everything. It's the difference between, you know what, building a house proper, setting the foundation in the ground with the concrete versus taking some planks and throwing it out on the beach when it's on low tide and trying to build your house out there. You start doing that, your house is going to float away. That's like a business without really establishing that foundation of the purpose, right? What's the North Star? What's the guiding force of the business? Where's it going? What's its purpose? Secondly, that mission. 
What are we now about to accomplish? What's coming up in these next 10 years? And where are we going? Having that clarity, having that certainty around that, and when everyone's congruent with it, notice how I emphasize that, when everyone's congruent with that, everything absolutely changes. That's the foundational pieces. What does that enable you to do though? Well, let's think about it. When your team, when everyone on board knows exactly, exactly what that business purpose is, when they know what the mission is, what everyone's role within the organization is and how they will contribute to completing that mission, that's when you as that business operator, and yes, I am using that term intentionally, business operator, you begin to step out of those roles, stepping into the role of a true business owner. But this here, there lies some, some um, challenges that we have at this point here, some pitfalls, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that. Mick, you know, you, you've seen this. We, we've had some discussions again about this, the pitfalls. What do we have to look, look for and look, maybe look forward to as we transition from that role of being the business operator, doing it all, into being the business owner where you're spending more time working in that zone of genius? Look, I think one of the key parts here is as the business owner, operator who wants to tran transition from a daily operator to someone who's working on the business more, it's a huge mindset shift and the way you approach. So you need to do the work on the way you communicate, the way you speak. And instead of you having to do everything, you've got to shift to the person who needs to make sure everyone else is doing everything. You need to guide them to achieve what you would normally achieve rather than get in there and lead from the front like you used to. Get in there and get your hands dirty. You Now then you need to let them get their hands dirty and guide them. But it's really critical when you communicate this to the staff because you've already got your mission and your purpose and your values down and they all understand that and everyone's working towards that. But if you come into your team and say, hey, look, I'm stepping out of the business, guys, and I really want you to be successful, it automatically sends a message that you're out and that there's a lack of congruency or lack of care or a lack of um, that you don't like the business anymore or that you're exiting. or So it's really critical that you use the correct wording because and intent behind um, behind the, when you deliver that, like the intent behind the message, because the re the reason when your staff receive that, and if they instantly think that your lack of interest, disinterested, you're stepping out, you're not involved, they will automatically lose motivation, yeah. lose engagement because they think, well, if the owner doesn't care, well, why should I? So it's really critical that when you do this, it's not that you're exiting the business, you're stepping out of the business, you're changing roles within the company. Yeah. So it's yeah. really, really critical when you communicate that and say, hey, look, I really love this business and this is where we're going. We all know the mission and purpose, but my role up to date has been this. I'm going to, my role is changing and my role is now going to be this. So over the next one week, six months, three weeks, whatever the transition plan is, because let's face it, sometimes you need to train people to do the things you used to do. So there'll be a plan in place. You say so over the next three weeks, I'm going to transition from this role to this role where I get to support you guys and do this and make sure you're, you as the team are succeeding and personally you do A, B and C and put forward what's in it for them and why it's important to them that your role is changing and what's how it's going to affect the business. Yeah, for what sure. Business is A, B and C. Uh, it's it's really important that you communicate that the right way. That's the very first step in transitioning. If you communicate that the wrong way, you're going to be fighting fires all the way through. Yeah. 
you landed on so many, so many golden points here, Mick. I mean, the biggest thing, though, is communication, right? We have to have those open lines of communication, and you have to communicate effectively, right? You, you, you said it perfect in this, like, yep, I'm stepping out, right? I'm stepping back. You guys can go run it. In that case, it's like, well, what? Don't you care about the business anymore? Do you not have the same interest? Should we be worried? Should we be leaving and going and finding a new job? That's the power of communication right there. We have to get it straight. It's like, look, guys, I'm going to be transitioning in my role. Here's why I'm doing it. This is where why is so incredibly powerful. When you can share the reason why you're doing that. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I'm the boss. I don't need to tell anyone anything. I don't need to tell them that way. Here's the thing. People want to know. People want certainty. If we're coming back to human needs, what does it come to? It comes to certainty. When you can explain and describe and really help that person understand, not mansplain, but when you can absolutely describe <laughs> it and help those people understand, right? Why am I doing this? I'm making this transition into this role as the leader so that I can focus on A, B, and C. A, B, and C is something that I have a passion for. It's something that I've longed to do for the longest time to be able to do that because here's what it'll do for the business. When we start to be able to see everything, the reasons why, so it's like, oh yeah, well, that makes sense. That's completely understandable. So we don't have to worry. It's not like, you know, you're leaving, you're, you're, you're doing something, you're shutting down the business. No, it's recognizing the impact of what you're now going to be able to do and who you actually get to mentor, to train, to help lead. Because if you're stepping out of some of those positions that you'd previously done, maybe that's a great opportunity for someone else to be able to step up, to come and fill some of those gaps. Right? I think that's something really great as well. It's an opportunity either inside the organization to help lift someone up, to help promote someone or whatnot, or if it's something where you're stepping into, in, into a different role and you need that C-level, that CEO, right, that COO, whatever it is to bring them in, that's a really great time to bring it in. And communication surrounding that is going to be critically, critically important. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're as a business owner, a business leader, it is our job, it's our responsibility to lift other people up. You know, a lift a rising tide lifts all boats. So lift the people up below you. Lift, lift, and I say below you as in your team, your uh, employees, your clients, your talent. Lift them so that they can help succeed. Uh, propel the business forward because a rising tide lifts all boats if we make sure that you know we're giving the support and to our leaders and, and when you communicate this you you know i want to i want to give you guys opportunities to thrive and succeed and to uh improve your careers or to you know grow as people people yeah. must jamie touched on a really um critical point there the minute you create uncertainty with your team they will start looking for certainty. If they can't get it with you, they will get it elsewhere. And I've seen this time and time again. As soon as there's uncertainty created, if you've got a big team, team members start leaving. They start talking about other jobs on the market. They start looking around because they are uncertain. People crave certainty. Almost everybody craves certainty. And if they don't get it with you, they will get it elsewhere. So it's really, really important that you don't create uncertainty with any of these changes. And change a level of change does have some uncertainty, but they must understand, get some certainty from you around what's, what's happening. That's where the communication and the way you deliver that. They must know that you're still there and you care and that you, you love them and you're going to protect them. As soon as they don't feel that, then they will feel uncertain and 
that's when you'll start to lose engagement and um, have challenges within your team. That that that's critical there, and I'm glad you brought that up, Jamie. Yeah, for sure. People need that. We all do. It's a human need. It's not just a nice to have. It is an absolute human need. We need to have some level of certainty within our lives, whether it's you know where we're going home, that we have a home to go to. We need those levels of certainty. It's no different in the business environment. If there's too much uncertainty and there's no resource to be able to answer those questions to gain that certainty, people will go find it in their own ways. Now, you might think that everyone's fine. Everything's great. Yeah, no problem. My team's got it. But if they don't, and if there's even that little bit of uncertainty in there, they will begin to fill that certainty gap with whatever meaning, with whatever thing brings them that certainty. What, mm-hmm. what would I do? Number one, we want to get ahead of that. We want to have that real clear, concise communication. So now we know communication is a big part of it. Open, honest, complete, transparent communication within our team. I'm a big believer in that, and I'm such a believer in that. That's one of the values that we have here at UE Coaching. But here's the next part. The next part of looking at a successful transition where you can go from being that business operator into that being being that business owner is to have your processes documented. Now, I know, I know, standard operating procedures, all this stuff. Guys, they're important. Standard operating procedures is your, is your for, intent, for all intents and purposes, it's your Bible of how you do business. Now, if you don't have that and you're hoping at some time to sell your business, let's think about this. The person that's going to come in, if you have no standard operating procedures, if you haven't documented anything like that, the person that could potentially be coming in to purchase the business and they've got to figure it all out, what are they going to do? The valuation on that business is going to be lower. You want to take care of yourself. You want to be able to step out of that role. Whoever's going to come in and backfill needs to know what it is that you're doing and how you do it. That is the massive, massive, massive value of having those standard operating procedures. Now, you as the business operator stepping into being a business owner, are you the right person to write them up? Yes and no. You've got to have something there. You've got to have the basic structure. If we think about the human being, right? We've got a skeleton. We've got you know skin. We've got all these things here. You as the business operator transitioning into business owner, maybe one of the biggest things you could do is to create the skeleton. Create just the framework of exactly what's got to be done. And that person who's now stepping into the role, as they're discovering it, as they're learning about those tasks, everything else that's got to be done, they can begin to create those standard operating procedures at that same time. What's your thoughts on that, Mick? Uh, Absolutely, Jamie. Standing operating procedures, processes, procedures, they are critically important for creating consistency, delivering certainty for your clients, to making sure that every time a task happens, it happens the same way so that the same outcome, the same value um, each time. Mm-hmm. And that if it doesn't, how do you handle those situations? And like you said it before, when someone's buying a business, they want certainty of income, certainty of processes, certainty in any way they get that is documented processes. If there's lots of variability in there, then that obviously makes the valuation uh, heaps lower. So the more you can document and have consistent processes, the uh, more valuable your business will be, but also the better, uh, the more consistent outcomes you'll achieve for your clients, which is the ultimate outcome. Yeah, you might be in business to ultimately sell it, but realistically for the next however many years, you want to create amazing value for your clients. And the only way you can do that consistently is have documented clear processes. Oh no, I'm about to lose everything. It's going down. It's going down. <laughs> Darn that wind anyways. Documentation. Yeah, it's key. 
It is absolutely one of the biggest keys and one of the most impactful things. I um, some time ago I worked with a company and they were doing a they were doing a transition. They were upgrading their ERPs. They were doing a bunch of things, and they had to discover the new ways of how to go ahead and make these things happen. It came down to writing those SOPs. It came down to writing all the details, all the procedures, so that when the new process came online, we'd be able to take those SOPs and disseminate that information out to all the different team members. That saved countless, countless hours in time. Did we learn a lot through it? Sure, we did. But what that did was it ultimately set us up for success. It gave us that success because now everyone was following off the same rule book. Everyone was taking the same sort of actions. Did we have every single process documented right down to the period and everything? No, we didn't. But we had a good 70, 80% of it. Some stuff we still had to figure out. Uh, I, I was with a different company before as well, and we implemented a new a new ERP system, did all the training and all that. One of the things we missed with that company, though, is we took a very siloed approach. That siloed approach was, you know, here's parts, here's service, here's sales, here's remanufacturing. And they were all in their own silos, but no one was communicating back and forth. Mm-hmm. There was no communication between any of those silos. Consequently, when it, went, when it was time to go live with that ERP, and it was a fairly significant uh, project, it was hundreds of millions of dollars a project. It was a very, very, very large project. Uh, unfortunately, when it was time to go live, uh, we weren't able to invoice for over three months. Now you can imagine what that does on a you know multi hundred million dollar hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that this company would do uh, every quarter, yeah, quarter. Um, the impact that that had, and it was it was almost catastrophic. It was almost catastrophic. But that comes down to having those processes in place, having those procedures so that people know what to do to mitigate the risk, but to also ensure that you've got a solid value chain. Now, value chain is something that I absolutely love to discuss, love to talk about. Uh, I learned this through Tony Robbins, through Business Mastery, and my time as a Tony Robbins Business Mastery trainer. It was one of the modules that I absolutely love to train on. It's looking at where all the handoffs are within the business. It's ensuring that there's no breaks in the chain, i.e. you hand something off and there's no one there to receive it. And that piece, that information, whatever it is, falls into the abyss of nothingness. Value chain is something critical and something key. And it doesn't matter how big or how small your business is. Even the smallest ones, right? Um, I, I ran this on my own business. I'm by no means a big, massive business. I've got my eight or nine team members. But what I quickly recognized is that as long as I was the one, the business operator, and trust me, I was definitely the business operator. But as long as I kept everything up here and I didn't get it out and I didn't document it or anything, I was the chokehold. And I was basically the, the, the thing that was holding the business back from re- reaching its full potential. I didn't have all my uh, value chains established out. I didn't recognize, okay, well, if this is happening, then this has got to go here. This has got to go here. This has got to go here. See, it's a mindset shift. It's a mindset shift in thinking, gosh, it's got to be me that does everything. The truth is, is when you're looking to transition up into that business owner role, you've got to let all that stuff go. A great question to ask maybe is who's the best person to help me do this and who's the best person to ensure that we are truly providing an unbreakable, unshakable value chain as we make the transition. That's some great stuff right there. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. Sorry, as the truck goes past. Um, And you said that 100% there, having your value chain, all of the critical points where it touches on each and every 
every interaction, every handoff, every saying so you don't drop that. If it's you, 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 the business will only ever be as big as you. Yeah. It will, you know, it will get to 100% and it will stay at 100% because nobody can achieve put out more than 100%. You can work more hours, but you the business is limited by you. Yeah. Um, Gary V said it, I think, on a on a piece of content. You know, if, if you want to grow your business, you can do everything at 100%. Guaranteed, you will do it exactly how you want it every time. And your business will get to 100. If you have eight people that are working, sorry, 10 people that are working at eight out of 10, and they are getting things eight out of 10, your business will get to 800. No, it's not 10 people working at 10 out of 10, it's working at eight out of 10. Yeah. If you want, they're not you, but if you have documented clear processes, they can get to eight out of 10, nine out of 10, and you can scale your business from 100 to 800. Yep. That's that's the beauty of scale is people may not be able to do it at 10 out of 10 from your standard, but the clearer your processes, the more documented, the better the frameworks that you have around that, the closer they'll get to that, and then you'll be able to scale your business rapidly. Totally. I, I want to talk to you on the eight out of 10. Isn't it true, though, that we're supposed to, you know, expect everyone to do just as good of a job as us or even better? Shouldn't they be working at a 10? If you want them to work at a 10, give them half your business. Boom. Yes. It's that simple. Please. It's not their company. It's yours. No one will ever work as hard as you at your company. Yeah. Until you understand that, you will always have trouble delegating and people's performance. Yep. Yep. If you want to succeed in your business and you have that expectation, right? What do we know about expectations? We want to trade our expectations for appreciation. And if you've got that expectation out there that, no, whoever I've got to bring in has got to work better, smarter, harder, give them a portion of your business. Give them 50% of your business. Give them a proportional share so that they will be just as inclined that they've got as much skin in the game as you do what that's not a possibility then it's unfair it's unfair to expect that someone coming in who doesn't have that skin in the game who doesn't have a vested interest in your business that they would work as hard as you now there are some crazy people out there you mick me all that we give it our all right we know one speed it's either on or off right we're not a potentiometer we're we're a switch we're either on or off and when we're given it we're given that hundred percent but as a business owner, do I expect my people, anyone that I bring on to work as hard as me? Of course not. I believe that's completely unrealistic. Do they do amazing jobs? Do they do amazing work? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I haven't given them a piece of my business. I haven't given them a chunk of that business, a piece of the pie. So it's really, truly unrealistic. See, they don't have that skin in the game. They're still doing great jobs. They're still doing great efforts. They're probably more like an eight and a half and nine, right? They're right mm -hmm. up there. But for me to think, no, they should be a 10, 11, 12, just like me working 16, 17 hours a day, that's ridiculous on my part. And that's not me being a great leader from that perspective either. Mm, absolutely, Jamie. And that's that's a huge, again, that, that's the leader, the owner of the business, the business operator. When you transition from an operator to an owner, that's a huge mindset shift. And, and we br bring up mindset because it's key. Like I said before, the business will only grow as much as the leader does. Uh, so if you're leading the business and you still are complaining, whether it's internally or externally about your team not performing as good as you do, you need to work on that because that is a huge mindset shift where you transition. You know, they're never going to work that. They need to do an exceptional job for their role that you've given them 
but without 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 you giving them half the company the same share that you do, they're never going to be the same as you. That you started it as your company, so it's a huge mindset shift. So that's the number one thing here with the leader when you want to transition is the the business will only ever grow as much as the leader. Yeah, absolutely. I heard this saying the other day, and I think it's kind of fitting for the show here right now. A great leader is also a great servant. What's your thoughts about that? Oh, I, uh, I absolutely agree with that, Jay. Yeah. You know, I think you put a post up today about Nelson Mandela says you should lead from the back like a uh, like a shepherd herding the flock of sheep, um, and let the nimble ones lead from the front. And so, your job as a leader is to guide and serve the people that that are in your team. Yeah. You your job as a leader is not to run from the front and say, "Come on, let's go, let's go." Your job is to guide and serve and lead and help and mentor and so that the so the team, the people you're mentoring are the ones that are are excelling from the front and you're guiding from behind, you're serving. I, I absolutely think that's got huge value. That resonates with me. Yeah, that's a big one right there. Think about this. If you're the one that gets to really be in that place as the business owner, right? As as the person who's really truly mentoring, who's really truly giving back. Like, look, that that's a piece of contribution. But here's the thing. Get this. When you give back, when you give back your time, your knowledge, your mentorship and all that, what are you actually doing? You're helping your company, your corporation, your business succeed. When you invest that time, that passion, that energy, all of that back into your team that really lets them know that you really truly do give a shit, right? Because that's really what it is, right? It's not about sitting in the corner office. I always use the analogy of the corner office where, and, and I had, um, I, I worked for a corporation there where big corner office, it was up there. It's like, oh, don't go there, right? That's that's the owner. That's the president. That's the CEO. You can't go to that office. You can't talk to those people. Only speak to them if you're spoken to. See, to me, that's absolute bullshit. I want to make myself approachable. I want to make sure that no matter what, I am approachable. Now, I'm going to be mindful of my time. I'm not going to sit down with everyone for a 15, 20-minute conversation each and every day all the time. But I'm going to make myself available so that person, if they've got those concerns, those questions, and you know they need to reach out to me because, let's face it, I am a smaller business, a smaller corporation. Those people need to have that access still. Even though I'm stepping back, even though I'm not doing some of the roles that I used to, uh, social media marketing is a, re a really great one. right? I, I need the team to be out there doing what they're doing, creating those interactions and all that, it has relieved just an absolute ton of stress. But it doesn't mean I totally check out of it. I still go on there. I'm still getting on there. I'm still communicating with my people, people that are sharing thoughts, ideas, all that sort of stuff. I'm still out there doing it. I'm just able to get additional traction because what am I doing? I've got that team in place. If they've got challenges, if something pops up, say, hey, Jamie, this, this person's written this. I'm not sure how to respond. Boom, I'm there. Right. That's the one thing that I want to do. And from that, I'm helping to show them, teach them, mentor them to give them that knowledge so that next time it comes up, if a similar situation comes up, they're going to know exactly what to do. Making myself unapproachable, if that's the path that I chose, how's that person ever going to learn? How's that person ever going to grow? What's what's most likely going to happen? The ball's going to get dropped in there. Who's who? And, and this is what it all comes back to. Um, uh, Jocko Willink and Leif, um, um, Leif Babin, they wrote an incredible book called Extreme Ownership. And this book here is really what it's all about. It's 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 my fault. Right. It's all my fault. And when I say fault, I mean that in the best of ways, because when things go right, when they go incredibly right, that's my fault, too. Right. That's absolutely my fault, too. 
If mm. I'm checked out though, if I'm, you know, says, nope, I'm stepping back out of the business. I'm going to be a business owner. I'm going to sit on the beach all the time. And I close myself off. That's not any ownership whatsoever. Right. Extreme ownership is taking ownership of that situation, is stepping up, is making yourself available, is is again decentralizing command. That's a really big part of stepping into being a true business owner is decentralizing command, i.e., taking yourself out of being the choke point, taking your cho- yourself out of being that bottleneck. What gets our teams to grow though is when you support them, when you own it, when you own the situation, bad or good. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. And you said it right then and there. That is a phenomenal book. And if anyone who's in a leadership position, I highly recommend you read that or anyone who has aspirations to be in a leadership position or owns a business. Uh, But the decentralized command, it's having those foundations set and then decentralizing command and supporting that command to achieve the outcomes of each of each division, each section, each department, each whatever you call it in your company, having that decentralized command, delegating those key tasks so they can focus on what's important for their section, for their division, for their, um, I suppose, department. And then they can really deliver 100, 100% in their department. And, and that's where the decentralized command is super effective. And your role as the leader is to support that decentralized command. Yeah, big time, big time. And encourage it. Right? Your team will be much more effective when they're not having to go to you. You don't want to be the mom, the dad all the time. Mom, can I have this? Mom. No, we want people. We want to use the leverage and enable principle, i.e. to leverage the strengths and skills of our team and enable them, empower them, if you want to use that word, to make really quality decisions that are congruent with the values, the mission, and the purpose of the company. See, it comes back to that foundational piece again. There's no two ways of getting around that. Those three pieces, purpose, mission, values, they are foundational for business success. No question whatsoever. How do we decentralize? We get the people, we get the leaders, we get those people who are ready, who are willing to rock and roll, who are open-minded, who want to take it to the next level. Again, don't expect, don't expect for them to be doing um, you know, a, a scale of 1 to 10 of what you do if you're a 10. I wouldn't say it's fair to expect them to be a 10. You might find those people out there. They, there might be a few out there. You're talking to two of them right now here. But in all reality, coach them, mentor them, guide them to get to that place where they are producing at an exceptional level. Why? Because when they win, we win. And when we win, everyone wins. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. That's, they're not everywhere, but if you guide and mentor and coach, that, that's one of the fundamental skills of a leader is to be able to guide, mentor, and coach and I think the key difference between becoming the mum or the dad is helping them make the decision or deciding for them. Yep. If you take away people's ability to make decisions, it disempowers them. Yep. If you give people more autonomy to make decisions, but you give them some for a framework for them or some guidelines for them or a set of values and they know the outcome and give them autonomy to make the decisions with some guidance or be there to support them to make the decision when they come to you to say, hey, I don't know what to do here. Coach them to come up with the decision. Give them some guidelines and say, well, if this is the outcome, what do you think is the best way forward here? Mm-hmm. Well, probably A. Okay. And what other options do we have? You know, Guide them to make the appropriate decision so they make the correct decision moving forward. Don't disempower them by saying, just do this, because every time they need to make a decision in the future, they will come to you and say, what do you want me to do? Yeah. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And you will never 
you will never change your role to working on the business. You'll be there to decide everything for them all the time. And when you're not there, that's when things will go to hell in a handbasket because they'll all of a sudden have to decide, but they've had no practice at it. They'll be ringing you when you're on holidays with your family saying, oh, I don't know what to do, freaking out. Please help. You're not here to decide for me because you haven't empowered them to make their decisions. It's one of the fundamental things of changing your role is giving people the autonomy to make decisions within their role. Yeah, yeah. And they'll love it. People will absolutely love it. It's like, whoa, you like this idea? You like that idea? You, you as the business owner, you're like, yeah, I think that's a really great idea. They're going to feel great. They're going to feel that immense sense of pride within themselves because they've made a decision that you've approved, right? And it's not you to approve. All they're doing is they're sharing their outcomes. Uh, you know, I talk about it in in um, in offline discussions, right? Uh, I, we follow a huddle procedure here, which we have very short, very precise, very action-oriented um, uh, daily huddles, right? daily and weekly huddles. And if something isn't able to be resolved within that time, maybe it's just a little bit bigger of, a, of an issue, of a concern, of an opportunity. What we'll do is we'll go ahead and we'll have an offline discussion. Now, those offline discussions, those are complete game changers. Why? Because they are completely 1,000% solutions focused. If you're not doing this in your business, if you don't have that mechanism of changing the focus into what you want versus what you don't, it sounds like mindset stuff, and it is a little bit. But if you don't have that system, that process in place, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from really helping your team, yourself, everyone around you grow by shifting the mindset to say, what is it that we really truly want? What is it that we really truly desire? Instead of, yeah, we've got this problem and this and this and this, what does that do? That amplifies the problem. Have those offline discussions where people are coming in, they're saying, here's solution one, solution two, solution three. And what people do with me is, is they do that now. My team knows me well enough now. They bring those three solutions in and they don't ask me anymore. Like, which one do you think, Jamie? They don't ask me that because what do I say all the time? Well, which one do you think? I turn it right back on them. And it's not because I'm trying to be a dink. It's because I want them to recognize the power of making quality decisions. So when I when what they do now is they give me the three solutions. It's like, here's A, here's B, here's C. I'm going to recommend A as a really great resource because it does this and this and this, and it does this and this and this. I look at them, it's like, you got it, right? How good is that when that person can come in, they can provide their justification, they can do everything, they can leave feeling great that they made a quality decision based on, you know, the current challenge, the current opportunity at hand, and then they go off and they execute on it. That's ownership. Right. That's some extreme ownership right there. And I love I absolutely love being able to give each and every one of my team members that opportunity to do that. They love it. We love it. And together we grow way, way, way faster. You, you said something that was really, really important there, Jamie. And I've heard this a number of times from business owners. Yeah, but you need to recognize the problem. You need to you can't just be all outcome focused all the time. There's a problem, you know, like we need to talk about the problem. And I 100% agree you need to recognize the problem, but the mm -hmm. difference is what you focus on. Yep. If the problem is a process doesn't work, if you continually focus on the fact that the process doesn't work instead of, so what's the outcome for this process? Mm -hmm. Well, the outcome is that we have a consistent client interaction every single time. Okay, so how do we achieve that? What are we missing here? What is it that we could add to our process instead of saying, well, this part doesn't work and that part doesn't work and how do we fix this part? Focus on the outcome of the issue or the outcome that you need rather than the actual issue or whatever's happening or whatever the process is. 
focus on the outcome and then find solutions for that. It's not about, it's not about um, ignoring the problem or sweeping the problem under the table. It's focusing on the outcome so that you can find a solution for that rather than continually beat up on the problem. The more you focus on the problem, that's more what you get. You, what you, you, you get what you focus on. Yeah, absolutely. Recognize it. Absolutely. Right. I mean, we don't live in a fairy tale fantasy world where everything's absolutely wonderful 100% of the time. Challenges, and you'll notice that I quickly follow the word challenges by opportunities because I really believe that. I believe that each challenge is an opportunity in disguise. Right. Mm. Challenges, when they do come up and when they do present themselves, they will most always have a solution. I'm going to say that they will always have a solution, even if we don't know what that solution is. But when we turn on that mindset to say, okay, what could be a great solution for this? How could we make this even better if we could go do that right now? See, it's about asking the right types of questions to get the right answers instead of, oh my God, everything's broken. It's all going downhill. We're going to have to close down because this, if that's where that focus and that's where that energy goes, yeah, guess what? You're going to get more of that. Right. It's not about, you know, you know, putting on the happy face and just no matter what happens, everything's wonderful and roses and rainbows. Sometimes things are going to go wrong. Sometimes things are going to go bad. Allow yourself to have that little moment of whatever it is you need to have. I'll get pissed off. Sure, I will. Right. There's things that'll come up that'll piss me off and I'll get frustrated. And I've quickly learned to recognize how to change that. Right. It's through repetition. There is no magic pill for this. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to say this out here right now. There is no magic pill. I've been what? asked. I can't tell you. I know. What? what? What do you mean? There's no easy button? That was easy. No, there's no easy button for this. It's practice. It's repetition. It's doing it over and over and over. If you've not yet got to that place where you can do that, you simply haven't practiced enough. You're allowing that focus to go into exactly what it is that you don't want. Why is it? Well, guess what? The way your brain is structured, it's looking to avoid all the challenges. It's looking to help you avoid pain. I was on an amazing, uh, amazing call today, amazing mentorship call that I was on with some with some really amazing people that, that I'm involved with. And that, that, that was what Daniel talked about today. He really got into it and he talked about that whole mechanism behind how much we really, truly want to avoid pain. What's crazy about that is even though our brains are wired to avoid that pain, what's it doing? It's going and looking for all the pain all the time. Our brains are constantly in a place of going to look for all the pain. Why? Because it's trying to protect you. It's trying to save you from that shit. What we have to do is actually take command and take control of how that brain is working and hone it in and focus it in on what it is that we truly want, not what we don't. I want a successful um, uh, I want a successful relationship. I want more clients, right? It's not that, oh my God, I don't have enough clients. I can say that, ah, ah, geez, I don't have enough clients. If that's what I focus on, that's exactly what I'm going to get. When I make a small, tiny little shift through practice, through repetition, that's how I've done it. Geez, how can I get even more clients? How many more clients are actually now waiting for my services? Boom. In a second, it changed the game. That's the power of questions. Mick, you and I, we've, we've talked about questions tons and tons and tons. You can change yep. what you look at and how you look at things by asking yourself truly a better question. Yeah, Jamie, questions, whether it's asking yourself a better, better question for mindset, whether it's mentoring your team, the difference between um, having someone focus on a solution and having someone uh, focus on a problem is, yep. is quite literally a question. If a team member comes to you with a problem 
I don't know how to deal with this stuff. He never does what he's told. And you say, oh, they never do what they're told. This is how we're going to fix this. They never do that. Yeah. If you change it, well, what is it that you want him to do exactly? Oh, well, I need him to do this and this and this. Well, if someone was asking you to do that, how would be the best way for them to get you to motivate? Oh, I don't know. Have you have you asked him how he would like to achieve that or if it's possible for him to do that? Have you? So then straight away, get some thinking of solutions. And like even for yourself, you know, you, you need to make some big investment for your business. Oh, well, we can't afford that. <clears throat> Instantaneously, your brain starts thinking of all the reasons why you can't and focuses on the problem. If you say, wow, how can I afford that? That's amazing. Your brain automatically will start focusing on solutions and finding answers to the problem. That is the power of a question, whether it's internally or whether it's with your team. The instant you ask a question solution focused rather than problem focused, that's what they focus on. That's what your brain focuses on. Then you have all of that amazing brain power focusing on the solution, not the problem. Yeah, it is completely. absolutely critical that you get the questions right. Yeah, no question whatsoever. It is it is the key to your success. It completely is. Look, if you're ready to make that transition, if you're in that business, you're working in the business as the business operator, and you know that success is your only motherfucking option. I'm going to say it. Thank you, Eminem. If you've made that decision, <laughs> if you recognize that you have to do something different, that you finally have to step into the role, the role of a business owner, recognizing you have to transition to working on the business. A couple key things that we shared today. Number one, communication, communication, communication. Clear, concise communication and sharing your why. Why are you doing it? What's the advantage to the business? What are we doing here? We're removing uncertainty from people because what do we know about uncertainty, Mick? If we don't fill the gap in uncertainty, what's going to happen? You'll go find it somewhere else. You betcha. Absolutely. That's really, really whether big. that's a different... Whether that's working for a different person or whether that's somewhere else, you will go find it somewhere else. Yeah, no question whatsoever. Um, have SOPs. SOPs will help you. You don't have to write the whole thing. If you're looking to transition out, biggest thing you can do is at the very least create the skeleton of it. Create the core pieces so that whoever's coming in, whoever's going to be filling that role actually gets a two for one because number one, they're going to learn how to do it. They're going to see the structure. They're maybe the one that writes up the standard operating procedure, all the little extra bits and pieces, puts the skin on the skeleton, puts the muscles in place. What that's going to do for them as well is really solidify that task and understanding how to do it. So that's a win-win right there. Uh, number three, definitely, definitely, definitely looking at the whole purpose of decentralized command. Em empowering, enabling your team members, your people to make quality decisions that are always in line with the purpose with the mission, with the values. Did I miss anything? No, that's it, Jamie. You did. And like we said, I suppose as a parting comment, the business will only ever be as, as grow as much as the leader does. So if the leaders don't grow, that's where the business will stay. For you as the leader, it's your responsibility, your right to develop and grow so that you can lift and lead the others around you. Uh, like we said, a rising tide lifts all boats. So with that said, have an amazing Easter weekend. Um, if you're a leader and you're out there, go do some work, go think about it, ask quality questions and have an amazing Easter weekend.
Absolutely. Have an incredible Easter weekend, everyone. We look forward to catching up with you next week. And if you've not yet joined Insiders Elite, we have our exclusive Ask the Coaches section. This is your opportunity to get your questions answered on your business directly. If you've not yet come, join us on the inside in Insiders Elite. We will see you all next week.